Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's episode 33 of Mixed Company, and you, we have an extremely full house today. Um, as always, we have Karina and Sim. Hi. Hey. We also have a special guest today. I'm going to butcher your last name, so I'm going to start with your first and give you the opportunity to say your last um, and then we'll get a little <laughs> bit deeper into um, just who you are, what you're about, and what you have going on right now. So, Miriam, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. So, my name is Miriam Gesus. Gesus. Yes. <laughs> think of Jesus, and it's with the Amen. Key, yes. Know? Come Gesus. on. Listen. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to bless the show. Yes, think of Jesus. <laughs> Um, well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. Um, for those of you that may or may not be familiar, uh, Miriam wrote an epic piece on her experience in advertising that has been published and republished, I would say, across quite a few different um, uh, internet platforms like Huffington Post, also on your site, and I believe the 3% Conference also uh, shared your thoughts um so the piece was called i can haha <laughs> and not just the can but like cans cans but you're supposed to say can i can not do it anymore a woman of color's experience in the ad industry so obviously you guys know that this is going to be a very um intense conversation at times i'm sure it'll get emotional for all of us um but nonetheless productive and i'm excited to have you here Cool. I'm excited. Definitely. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So with all that being said, we can go ahead and get started with our favorite time of day. Maybe second favorite time of day. My first favorite time is like sleep. Uh, <laughs> the second time is dope shit or ain't shit, where we're basically going to tell you guys about the great things that we've seen happening in the industry and within diversity and inclusion, or the ain't shit things that we've seen happening within the industry and lack of diversity and inclusion. So I'm going to go ahead and kick this off to Simeon because he's got his mic ready. Right. Tell us tell, tell us about what's going on. Uh, I have a double whammy because the story is a dope shit and, a, and it's an ain't shit at the same time. Mm -hmm. So the, the dope shit is Black Girls Code um, was offered 125K by Uber, I guess as a donation or something because whatever, I didn't go that deep into it. But um, they were offered this 125K and they turned them down, um, which is hashtag know your worth. Uh, and they basically said we didn't think that it was sincere. They thought it was a PR stunt. Um, and so they turned it down. Um, and if you're not aware, Uber has been going through tons of bad press for like the last couple of months. Uh, such harassment, discrimination, all those fancy things happening over there. And so that's that's my dope shit is, you know, they basically saw through it and um, they saw it as a stunt. And then on the flip side of it, I believe they raised a whole bunch of money after they turned down that um, that offer from Uber. So shout out to them. The ancient part of that story is, is that uh, Uber offered 
Girls Who Code, which is a similar organization, but uh, PWI, for those who don't know, is predominantly white. Um, and they offer them $1.2 million over the next three years. So if you're doing the math, that's uh, disproportionate. disproportionate. Um, amount that was offered to both of these groups um and so uber once again is in our ain't shit um <laughs> because i mean like it's just it's just obviously people do things like this for the greater good but they also do it for uh pr and clearly their pr team wasn't on their job to know that this was this would be translated as something that is fucked up I mean, not just that, but I, f I feel like there are a lot of things to consider when we talk about um, making donations. Um, it's, less, it's less about a publicity stunt because every donation is a publicity stunt. I'm sure they did not donate to girls who code $1.2 million because they, you know, just was in their heart that young women all over the world should know how to code and read harnesses and x y and z i'm sure that's not what it was it's also tax deductible so and it's taxed it's totally tax deductible but here's the other piece depending on where you are mm -hmm. in the in your fiscal year you have money allocated mm -hmm. so i'm sure this relationship with girls who code was something that had been talked about for a long period of time and therefore they could give more of their budget now the, now the negative piece because i'm not excusing them for this the negative piece is Basically, what this showed is that you didn't think you didn't think it didn't matter to you months ago that black um, black girls code would be you know uh, a beneficiary of this this money that you have in your in your pocket. It didn't matter to you whether or not they got money. Something happened. Some you had a little bit of money left, and you said, "Let me just throw this their way." So here's the thing. They're absolutely right to decline the offer, as mm -hmm. we all are when we get what feels like a pity offer. But what needs to happen is, or what should have happened if it didn't, is Uber then needs to go back and take a step back and you say, you know what, you're right. As a company that is now moving forward and trying to implement policies and cultural practices that say that we that say that show that we want equality for all kinds of people and all kinds of women we need to give you a better offer and if that's not what what's what's going to happen it's like let me back up they also shouldn't just not give the money you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying like yeah. if they never if they never gave the money then they would be total assholes but they need to understand that we're that we or they are declining it because it's like that's not what you that's not what you're giving everybody else. So this pay gap conversation we keep happening, we keep having these donation gap conversations we always have, this prioritization conversation we have about who's more important. It's clear that mainstream everything always supersedes uh, anything that speaks to marginalized groups, especially right. marginalized women. But they need to come back next year off of that budget and give way more than they did right now because clearly not only do they need it, but now you've been called out for it. Right. And I think, and going back to the allocation, so they had, I believe, $3 million in their grant pool, and they basically gave almost half of it to Girls Who Code. Um, I mean, so it's 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 there, but the, the dope shit is that they were offered one twenty five, and then uh, Black Girls Code raised like 145000 after all of this shit went down. So, I mean, they had the money to do it. They just chose not to because they could have given them 
equal amounts, but you know, they decided that the PWI was worth more money. So that's it. Damn. Anyway, so I don't know if this is ancient or dope shit. This is a news update because today is, well, when this airs, it's already implemented. Amazon and the Whole Foods um, merger is happening, has happened, and I'm going to get lower prices on my tomatoes um, starting today. on Well, we record on a Monday. Um, I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm going to try it. I'm excited. I don't think it's going to be a big difference. The, what they're predicting is like, yeah, a dollar less, but I'll take it. It's Whole Foods. So I'm excited. Do the tomatoes come from the same source as where Whole Foods is bringing them now? <laughs> right. These are great questions that have no real answers right now. Um, and as a Prime member, um, yes, I'm all here for it for my additional discount. Okay. I'm taking listen, it. All this money I pay at the beginning of the year, I need to start reaping some benefits. Exactly. Exactly. Okay? Some groceries, like more than like once every three months. <laughs> if they get a little BOGO for prime members, okay. I'm down for that, you know, but you know, this is also a sales ploy to get prime and, you know, Amazon and their monopoly. That's the ancient part. But since I have prime, this is pretty dope to me. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's dope to me. I know you were you were you were conflicted about it a few weeks ago. Yeah, I see you've come over to the smart side. Well, I mean, I'm conflicted because the humanitarian part of me is like not everybody has Prime, right? Oh, not everybody has Prime. But the other thing is, I have Prime, so I'm reaping the benefits. So, hmm. Ancient and dope shit at the same time. You can share your prime. Right. How can like, you can't share? I like giving a metric card swipe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, girl, you wildin'. Oh. You missing out on the whole life. And so is your family for not asking you if they can use your prime. <laughs> so real. Whoops. Well, now you know. <laughs> now you know and you don't have to be ba- to feel bad. Your friends, too, could reap the benefits from Amazon Prime so that you feel less uh, conflicted about being the only one getting all this good shit. But you all have prime now. We're not your only friends, oh, or maybe we are. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, that's good. So I have some dope shit I want to share, and this is not necessarily in the media, but um, a couple of days ago I was at Afropunk, which I'm sure all of you were, or most people who listen to the podcast were, and and um. I loved it so much. And I was just thinking while I was there, I'm like, why isn't the world like this? <laughs> you I know, had that th- I had that thought too. It, you're I, just like, everything is so beautiful. So many good vibes. People are awesome. Everyone's classy and just like great quality of humans, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great quality. Of it was such a good quality. And I've been to uh, other festivals before and they get rowdy and nasty and drunk people everywhere. But these people were, you know, drunk but classy. Also, the bar lines were extremely long. So that probably played into why everybody wasn't completely shit-faced drunk. Yeah, oh, also there's other other choices of, you know. Yeah, there was lots of marijuana smoke everywhere. And it's amazing, and I love that <laughs> because was that like, was with my was, people. You know, Afropunk <laughs> is like Blackwood stock. Like, you know, totally. A lot of brown yes. people, a lot of brown people, all types of brown, not just like African-American, not right. just... 
from the Af- African continent, but like Caribbean, Latin American, Middle Eastern. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a lot of brown folk and a lot of people that love brown folk, mm-hmm. and they're all we're all high, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're, we all love the music we're listening to, and we're all wearing our best so Prince patterns. And it was yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think that's a big for, part of it because the spirit of Afropunk is based on being inclusive. Like right. it's, it's just right. It's, it's that's where it's born out of. So I think that's what is that's what you feel when you walk in there. Like you feel included, like regardless of how you dress, whatever you identify as, like you walk in and you're like, all right, this this space is this space was created for me. I mean their tagline extremely long tagline, but it's a tagline nonetheless. No sexism or I guess it kinda of, this would more so be like their manifesto. Mm. No sexism, no racism, no ableism, no ageism, no homophobia, no fat phobia, no transphobia, no hatefulness. And that's a very direct way of saying if you hear the bullshit you gotta go. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have it plastered everywhere as well as signs mm-hmm. for resist and even in the vendor section there there was um there's a, there was a, a row of vendors that activism they call activism yes. row. And I said, well, that's where I need to be then. Yes. That's where I need to be. And then, of course, they got me to spend all my money. And then I was like, activism, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that, like, if you have the opportunity to participate in any Afropunk uh, uh, festivities, whether it be in, here in Brooklyn, in Paris, in Atlanta, um, and I think they have it in a few other places too. Like you gotta go. It's just dope ass people doing dope ass things, looking fly as hell. Mm-hmm. Just a whole bunch of fly ass activists. Mm-hmm. It was cool, and and some music. Shout out to <laughs> I saw Anderson Pot who music. like ugh. I saw Solange. God. I saw Solange too. That, that she was, was incredible. Yeah. Oh my god. It was like a it was a trip. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She yeah she's a trip in all mm. the ways possible. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I'm the last one to go. Um, I've got some dope shit, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. I'm always here for petty um, and being petty on purpose. Um, So as I was scrolling through my Instagram a few days ago, I stopped on the page of the National Diversity Council, um, who, by the way, they are in Houston, Texas, and at the moment there's a hurricane or if there's flooding that is affecting uh, this area. So shout out to everybody out there. Stay safe. Um, but they posted that a German supermarket removed all foreign products to make a point about diversity. So, um, we're going to post the link on, uh, we're going to post the link on our social channels for you guys to see this. However, if you scroll through the photo album on their Instagram page, it's literally empty shelves (laughs) All, oh, I remember across, seeing all this. within the supermarket. <laughs> yes. Okay. And this is in Germany. And this is in Germany. And essentially the sign, um, I'm not even gonna try to butcher German because I would hate for somebody to try to call me on it. I'm sensitive. <laughs> um, but in German it trans or in English it translates to the shelf is pretty boring without diversity. Essentially essentially making the point it's like they got like a piece of lettuce in there, y'all. Like <laughs> that's what's left. A sauce, I think, like sausage. Like, the point is, without diversity, we don't have the, um, we don't have the plethora of resources that we, don't we have anything should really. have. Let's we just really call it what you it just is. don't have anything, <laughs> y'all. It looks like it looks like the supermarket right before a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. 
a rainstorm. Have you guys seen A Friday that? night. <laughs> yes. Like, it's just bare as hell. And, like, I feel that it is important, um, even, even as a grocery store, like, it's really important for people to just understand, like, diversity, and you can let these all right people tell you whatever the fuck they want to say but with like diversity is not just about getting rid of you if you feel that insecure that you feel that you within yourself are responsible for everything you're missing out mm. just like this store is missing out on milk and if you can't <laughs> even get milk at the grocery store i really don't know why we need a grocery store um but yeah we'll post we'll definitely post the link to our social channels it a great visual and a great talking point, I think, in the conversation of DNI. Cool. Have you guys seen that movie called? Um, it came out a while ago, maybe like twelve years ago, called uh, "A Day Without a Mexican." No, mm, I've heard I, of it, but you I didn't have see to watch it. it because it's it's weird but hilarious. So the whole thing is that one no day, we don't America, have no maze. <laughs> think about it. America <laughs> wakes up and there's not one Mexican, and I don't know why they had it as Mexican specifically, but they get the point across. So there's no Mexicans whatsoever. Everything stops. I'm talking about <laughs> chaos. I People believe, are oh like fighting gosh. for food. There's like nobody doing anything. The whole system collapses. Mm. And I'm like, that's kind of a great idea. I really Wait just feel like, like... I want that to happen in real but life. But didn't Apple do something like that? Maybe they stole the idea from that. That's not cool. The whole app idea, the day without, like, uh, apps. Oh. oh. Stated, everything is a remix. Mm. Yeah, this was a movie. It's out there, guys. Go watch we it. We need to know the dates. Well, okay, I will, say, I will say the idea is the same, but the, the execution wasn't the same. So you're talking right. about at when the, you know, the guy, the new weirdo, or he's not a weirdo, he's a nerd, so... <laughs> The new nerd starts at Apple, and he unplugs everything, and then Apple itself shuts down, and then it's like everyone doesn't have access to their apps for a day. And people like me start freaking the fuck out, because how am I supposed to find my way home? This is with food. You right. know, like right. actual like basic necessities. The second basic, the spa the second basic necessity, because everyone needs an app. No, I get it. Yeah, it's a good point. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all the things that we, seasoning. You know, that would be one thing that we wouldn't have, you know. We'd be left with mayo. We'd, you wouldn't have avocados. <laughs> we wouldn't even have Starbucks because they import all their coffee. True. <laughs> we wouldn't have shit. We wouldn't oh, have a man. goddamn thing. Ugh, that would be miserable. Anyway, yeah, so shout out to – actually, if you guys can do your, all of yourselves a favor, if you're really into uh, diversity, diversity and inclusion and you're looking for new stories, go ahead and follow National Diversity Council. I don't know these people personally. However, I do get a lot of my news and empowerment and great um, photo ideas from this account. Um, yeah. Cool. They're based in Houston. Reach out to them if you're out there. See if they need help. But uh, yeah, that's my dope shit. That's awesome. We only had one whole ain't shit. I guess two ain't shits equals one ain't shit. Um, <laughs> so I think we're doing good. So with that being said, I think we can go ahead and transition over to uh, the main conversation for today. Miriam wrote this amazing article. And actually, you have a whole entire blog um, that you've been posting to for quite a while now. Um, what's the name of your blog? It's called Dear Brooke Blog, but um, I haven't posted in a while, actually. It has a lot of content, but I haven't posted in a while, and I'll tell you guys more why I didn't. Okay. 
but you do have this blog and you have been working in advertising for quite a while yes um, in this time basically chronicle your experience of and and this is how I internalize it how what made you get into the industry what your experience has been like since you've been in the industry and then your next step which at the time I don't I'm not sure if you actually did uh be Take, uh, set out on your own path, but you discussed like why uh, why you wanted to then set off on your own path, um, and that's something that we talk about a lot here at Mixed Company because it's like, and we can get into it, but it feels lonely a lot of times working in advertising as a person of color, as a woman, definitely as a woman of color, um, and it's not always what it's not always what it's cracked up to be or at least what they'd like you to believe when you take classes and when you go on rotational programs. and It's, it's not at all. Girl. <laughs> um, so essentially, I am going to go ahead and let you start telling us a little bit about, let's start from the beginning. Okay. What made you get into advertising? You don't have to, we want people to read the blog, but if you want to give like a short synopsis of like, what brought you here sure. to this um, chaotic, <laughs> to this chaotic uh, environment that we that many of us choose to work in to pay our bills? Okay, AKA my sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm originally from Morocco, from Marrakesh, and uh, when I was younger, my entire family is in finance, so I was not exposed to anything creative whatsoever. Um, one day I just watched this really shitty movie and I won't tell you what the movie is. And I saw this dude presenting creative work and it just hit me and I'm like, oh my God, there's people who make ads. They can talk to all these people at the same time. I was fascinated with the idea of speaking to the masses that, um, really spoke to me. So it was like, it was like a seed that was planted, right? So I looked into it and I decided, you know what, I want to study this advertising thing. Um, next thing you know, um, I moved to Texas uh, to study advertising. My sister was there, my older mm -hmm. sister was there, which is why I had to move there. Well, I, my parents kind of pushed me to move there. Um, a year later, she left, so I was by myself since 18. But um, that's the reason why I got into advertising. I literally saw a shitty movie. <laughs> and, and I was like, I, I want to speak to the masses. How ironic is it that that's why most of us do things? Because it's advertised to us on television. Exactly. <laughs> Look at full circle. Full circle. <laughs> like, it makes sense. It did its job. Did okay. its job. It was one scene. The movie was not about advertising. I but feel like this is probably like a Freddie Prince Jr. movie. And, like, <laughs> it was like... Great, Bring your parents to school day or some shit. Well, like, I, mean, <laughs> I, I think that's a good point because a lot of black people got into advertising because of Boomerang. Mm. Really? Oh, I never even yeah. considered that. I mean, that's why. Is Mark, that what he did? Yeah. He was in advertising. Listen, that's why that, my only perspective of Boomerang is that Eddie Murphy used to dress real nice to go to work, and he had women hair. I like. I never understood <laughs> what he did, nor did I care because I just was there for Halle Berry telling him that love. Should have brought your ass home last night. And that's why the Marcus Graham Project is named the Marcus Graham Project because mm. he was. It's named after Eddie's Mind character in Boomerang. Okay, keep going, <laughs> keep going. I'm gonna watch it again tonight. Well, uh, well, honestly, it wasn't. I understood that advertising was created by people, and everyone gets to see it. So I really was specifically attracted to the idea 
of uh, speaking to a lot of people and kind of organizing them, you know, and like tell, spreading good messages, you know, and like how can you bring people together? So that was my my thought behind it. Um, I mean, it's obviously if you have the opportunity to speak to these many people, why would you put shit out there? Okay. Well, so that <laughs> right, right. So I think that's fair. So one of the one of the main questions I had after reading your blog, because you said that specifically, it's like, well, you have all of these people's attention, you would want to do good, right? And I'm in my head like, girl, where I'm from, no, I want them to do crazy things. Like, <laughs> no, absolutely not. But like, that's me being f- funny and facetious. But what I've I've never seen or I've never felt that advertising was equated with good and goodwill. What about it? Or was that just something? Is that the the gap filler that you were able to put in there to make you feel that, OK, I have this audience. Here's how I make change for the better. Like, how did you go from advertising to peace on Earth? And that's me exaggerating. Well, it's not. I mean. Again, I really wanted to get into it to speak to the masses and like put good things out there, bring people together. Now, I'm thinking, okay, if you're a brand and you want to talk to all these people, are you going to belittle, belittle them, right? And this is what we do, right? But I truly <laughs> believe that there is another way to bring people together. And we're in a crucial time because people are waking up and the millennials don't take shit. And they can call, they can find, see your bullshit from far. So it's kind of a perfect storm. But for me, it's not that I want to save the world. I just want to put good things out there that are not belittling people. Did you feel like, because so how many, well, I guess the question is, what year did you get into? What year did you decide to pursue it? Because like, what oh, was, I, it was, was there like something? Early 2000s. Was there something going on culturally that like motivated you or was I guess it happened right before 9/11 and I was in Morocco like I again I grew up with a very different perspective Morocco is completely different than mm-hmm. America it's not a capitalistic you know system it's very different so people tend to kind of agree on gen- general things right mm-hmm. so I have I have that still in me even though I spend almost the same amount of time in the US as I did in Morocco but I have that perspective um, but I realized like right before, maybe a year before 9-11, then 9-11 happened. But I honestly, at that time, I didn't even know what the hell was happening, you know, mm-hmm. until I moved to the U.S. And then I had to learn all about race and racism and segregation. And I wasn't in, in Texas, you know, so it was weird down there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Girl, it's weird down there now. No shade. I mean, <laughs> I, and I was in Houston, so, you know, like you said, listen, shout out to my I friends I got all Houston. my family down you. there, but listen. I love you, but people are so crazy segregated. I went to one of the most diverse schools in the U.S., and literally everybody is staying with their own group, which to me was just weird. I just mm-hmm. didn't know what the fuck was going on. So I still had that need to bring people together, not necessarily – not necessarily like different races, just everyone. Like, right. why can't we just see the whole big picture? And right. secretly, because I have a lot of family drama back home, like I wanted to bring them together too. So that's from a personal level. So this mm-hmm. is something that I want to do. It's just how I am, I guess, how yeah. I'm wired. And um, it's not how the industry is wired. It's not. <laughs> I mean, but, but that it, it's not how the industry is wired, but that is the way that they position it to us a lot of the time. Exactly. This is why it's confusing and it's infuriating. It's it's mixed messaging because, you know, 
that's part of the reason why I got into advertising, which mm-hmm. is like, this is actually a tool. Kai's giving me the side I eye. Just, I'm not side <laughs> eye. I'm, I'm, I'm smiling. I'm smiling. Okay, so I'm smiling just so everybody knows. And Simeon's getting upset because I'm, I'm making a face. <laughs> but I'm making the face because I, I didn't get to hear. I never got this perspective like that you guys. I think that, no, you don't have it no more? No. Oh. I didn't. I dropped into advertising. I never had this perspective that you guys had. I always perceived advertising as I tell everybody all the time. I wanted to be in entertainment. I was, maybe still am, destined to be a female Sean Puffy Combs with better skin, um, <laughs> and you know, less misogyny. But whatever. Um, and I perceived advertising as a fake entertainment. Mm-hmm. And what I knew about entertainment was that it's very self. Uh, selfish. It's a very selfish industry, mm-hmm. um, and everything that I had have ever had ever seen about advertising like played into that. So I resisted it. I would talk so much shit about advertising <laughs> majors in school. Like mm-hmm. I to this day don't understand why nobody slapped the shit out of me. Maybe because they didn't want to fight. But <laughs> like if it was me, like I would have said something like, Shut the fuck up and mind your business, bitch. Like you're not here. <laughs> this ain't what you paying for. Don't worry about what I got going and on over here. And you end up here. You know, and then and then miraculously somebody finds my daggone resume and I'm working in advertising within three weeks of graduation. And that's not a miraculous. That's the universe. Ain't it? T- that's karma. That was karma. Telling you to shut up. That was real karma. And I'm not disagreeing with you. Advertising is kind of entertainment. Is and, and I'm not saying it has to be this serious thing. It can be entertainment. Just right. like stop talking down to people, right. especially our people. Like, why are you making us look like this? And I feel like that's that's the perspective I got once I got into it. Where right. I realized. You don't have to just be a shitty person. Yeah. In entertainment, you're a shitty person because it's a facade, but mm-hmm. it's not really a facade. It's mm-hmm. real. In advertising, you're playing with people's lives. Exactly. And that is what I learned getting into it. So I'm smiling because I'm like, oh, there's more of you, Simeon. People that actually care and have passion and want to do things for the, for the greater good. I think Instead it's of just paying my bills. We all have some part of us that cares about changing a tiny part of the world yeah. or at least your family or okay i mean i was I I, by we i say people of color yes i cannot speak for other people you know it's funny mm-hmm. and without going too far down a rabbit hole because i have more questions about the article we actually have the conversation often about being first generation americans and dealing with um uh, immigrants that work in the industry or trying to get into the industry and it's like our perspective about life, love, and passion is very different than what I feel that we experience in the industry. Like, hmm. for, 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 from a first-gen perspective, and, and you came here, you are, you are, the immigrant is such a terrible word, but you are the first, yeah. you are the first generation of your families who come here. Right. We're the first generation of our families to be here. And what we yeah. know about this is that people came here and they left everything you leave everything when you when you come into the United States or go to any country and you have to have a vision you have to have faith and you have to have hope to do those things mm-hmm. and that is what kind of i feel that drives a lot of us to have the compassion that we have cuz we're able to identify with what it's like to have nothing mm-hmm. right what it's not to um what it's like to promise yourself that you're going to attain certain things by making this grand move mm-hmm. And then wanting it so bad that you're willing to do anything, including put yourself in self self deprecating 
situations, which we often do mm-hmm. in advertising. So yeah. there is an empathy that we have for just human nature. I feel that a lot of people, if if you're born and raised in the upper middle class right. lifestyle uh, uh, that is American, mm-hmm. inherently American, not even North American, inherently from the United States of America, you don't have the same pers- you don't have the same perspective because that's such a far away part of your history. Right. Absolutely, like your ancestors didn't deal with that, has haven't dealt with that for at least 150, 100 years. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. You know, my mom came here when she was 15. You came mm-hmm. here when you were 18. in your 18, you know. Your parents came here at a certain time. Like, it's it's not that long ago. It's it's at least, at the very least, we're 25 on a mission. years ago. We're we all, are here on a mission. We're all on a mission. This isn't accidental. And the thing is, that that's why we make amazing advertisers because we have that empathy. Like you have to understand how people tick, how people work, what makes them sad, what makes them happy. And we've been through a lot more emotions than the random middle class, you know, middle of America, middle class guy or girl for that matter. So we, we are inherently better at that because we can speak to them, but we can also speak to other people who have had less. We have that range of um, empathy, I guess. And that resourcefulness, that that understanding of how to do so much with so little. Right. right. We don't panic when somebody says there's no money. We just right. figure out how to use the things we do have we that don't cost money. We make shit work. And we make shit happen, you know? We totally um, make shit happen. We make shit happen. And it's, it's, uh, it's annoying when there's all these, like, roadblocks into getting to the industry when this is an industry that started with just uh, random guys who didn't, find anything to do and they're like oh let's just let's just do this thing and they start hiring hiring other random people who may or may not have i mean they are random i mean they you, i the feel like you just themselves. we're random too but we're gonna make a name for you're ourselves. talking about something that started in like the 20th century but the funny thing about it is it sounds like it sounds like how a lot of the businesses that have been up for like two totally. years also started so, so that brings so that brings me to um my next question. So a lot of your article speaks about your experience in Cannes and, and South by Southwest. These are like the pinnacle mm-hmm. of you, like if you're on the outside looking in, these are the events that you want to go to or that mm-hmm. you want to be, not even just go to, you want to be a part of, invited mm-hmm. to and participate in mm-hmm. uh, and knowing and feeling that that is going to be a moment in your career which solidifies you as not just a professional but as an advertising executive so talk to us a little bit about your experience at can like what what did you see what did it do to you and and how does it affect who you are now well can was again was sold to us as an advertising creative your goal in life, in your advertising life, should be to get a can award, award or um, participate, be at a young lion, just be there, just be part of the club, right? So, um, so that's what's been told to us, you know, since we were in school. That was like the epitome. So, I worked hard, saved me some money, applied to the academy. At the time, it was uh, the storytelling academy. And um, I got in, and I could not be more excited. I was like, this is a game changer. Because at the time, I was at this uh, shitty agency that um, no longer exists. Huh? Um, and they did not even, 
I had to say that. Sorry, guys. Not sorry at all. But we, um, we like we like petty. Yeah, no, <laughs> do not care. So, um, so yeah, they no longer exist. But at the time, they didn't even want to pay for this. Um, didn't even want to support me in any way, shape, or form. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm gonna do it anyway. So I saved a lot of money. Uh, made it to Cannes. It was a week long. I was there for the whole week. I mean, the whole damn week. Okay. Uh, I got there and. Um, the academy was fine. It was a great learning experience. You know, we learned a lot about storytelling, but the whole environment was just off. Like, I felt off. So, in hindsight, I know what happened, but when I was there, I was just confused, <laughs> angry, and just was, like, going to my room and just, like, crying. And I do not cry, you guys. Like, I am just, like... You know, straight face. And Meanwhile, back at the know. ranch, I am a crier. I am not a crier. I and I was like, crier. what is happening with me? Why do I hate this place so much? And, and the reason, I think what happened is not only, I got to see the industry for what it really was. Because all the people from all over the world, all the big advertising shots were there. So I got to see them, and what I saw was what we already know. It was white, male, and super privileged. And by I mean super privileged, I mean next level. Um, they act like freaking teenagers in there. It's insane. Um, the way the partying go, and you know, I'm a millennial. I was, I'm young. All of these young. things are exciting me. I but love keep going. the party. It's cool, but it's like. <laughs> it's like, did anybody do the backflip off the diving board <laughs> with the daggone big sunglasses on and the shot of whiskey? All of it. No, it's it's rosé. Yes, there's God, no come on and just listen, <laughs> Mary. You don't understand. I have goals. <laughs> listen. Listen, you think you have goals, go and get you some can and we can talk after that. I'm trying that. <laughs> to, girl. Make sure you put in a word for me. Go go <laughs> see how it is. I personally was just, um, I felt kind of defeated. Like, what am I doing here? Why? This is not, first of all, this is not the type of people I want to be associated my, associate myself with. That's number one. Like, I do not want anything to do with these people. I don't know who you are, but you're a little bit disgusting. You're a lot um, disgusting. It's fine, though. I mean, yeah, it's not. I mean, fine. It, it was just <laughs> well, like, like all it. these old men is just drunk and like, and that wasn't even the issue. The issue was, um, in the award shows, you see, you see people um, winning. You hear, you hear other countries winning awards, right? Like, oh, you know, Tunisia got this award. Three white guys go pick up the award. Oh, Nigeria got this award. Five white guys picking this award. <laughs> I'm like, did you send the people who made these ads? Of course not. They are back home working their asses off so these guys can afford a week-long vacation. And you know what? That's their, you know, more power to you. I just, at that moment, was like, this is not me at all. Not only there's no one who looks like me here, but clearly they don't make it to the top because there's literally not one person that... that maybe a couple that we all know about, but um, I was just like, I can't, I don't know, this is not me. Question for you, what, okay, so clearly you had the experience like, oh no, this ain't what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. Like you had that moment. What, what were you expecting walking into it? You bought, you, you, you bought, you saved your money, you got your tickets, you got your portfolio, you are ready to go. As you're sitting on the plane on your way to Cannes, France, mm -hmm. what were you expecting? What were you visualizing? I was expecting to see 
advertising people from all over the world. Okay, and the world is big. It has people from all colors, <laughs> you know, all genders. So I did not see that. I only saw the what you would call the 1% of advertising, the same people who come over and over again. And Queen of the world, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So I didn't see international advertising. I didn't see international people. There were a few, but the majority was basically, it was, what I saw was a club that is, uh, loves to get together once a year and spend a shit ton of money. And hey, more power to them. Like that is your thing. It's just not mine, right? It's like they a regular a Kai birthday. Yeah. But it's, it's very in- exclusive. Like you can't get in unless you know the person who knows the person. Um, you know, I'm not going to talk about drugs and all that, but a lot. I mean, but you should honestly, and, and because we're not, we're, we don't have to name names, but I think that is an important part of the industry. Like I thought it was, I thought advertising was bullshit till I realized it was just as much sex, drugs, and rock and roll as what I anticipated expected and experienced it, it can be looking at music it, it definitely is in, in it can. totally is it's it's just a big giant party and they weren't necessarily celebrating um the, the work. work they weren't celebrating create you know it's called the create festival of creativity right so of course they're awarding themselves like the people awarding themselves fifteen hundred dollar uh you know hardware to make themselves feel better, and then they go and like spend million dollars in one party, and Can is a for-profit organization, so I'm like, where is this money going? Why do I have to pay as a young lion? You know, why can't you bring me in here for free? Most organizations do that, right? And so I realized that it was um, it was a system, it was a system for them, by them, and more power to them. I just don't want to be part of it. So it's it sounds like the fairy tale ended, like when you got there. Oh, it hundred percent. It was like reality check. But again, I'm telling you, like in hindsight, I realized what was happening. But at that moment, I was a fucking mess, and I couldn't articulate what was happening. I was just like, this is not okay. Like, not- you just knew it wasn't right. I experienced what I call now the unflow. You know how when you're in the flow, everything is great, everything flows. This was like everything was wrong. Everything about it was a hundred percent wrong, and not not you know in line with my values not that i have like these crazy values you know i'm mm-hmm. just a normal person i like to party too mm-hmm. you know and do all the things it was just like everything about it was telling me you don't belong here you don't belong here you'll never get in you'll never make it there's mm. not one person that looks like you go fuck yourself oh and hey nice ass you know sometimes on the streets so that kind of thing Wow. And you know, it's not always bad when somebody compliments your behind. It just needs to be somebody that you know are uncomfortable and are comfortable with. <laughs> not no random ass strangers oh. that took <laughs> these the are the I am are, here for ew, business. This, this is a work event. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> that ain't where I want to hear it. I like to hear my butt compliments in a Nelly song. You know, who's like three times. But this isn't. This is a festival for creatives. This, these are my colleagues. I am their freaking equal, okay? You cannot talk to me about my ass in a freaking business event. So that's what happened. Especially if I'm sober. Like, let's just be real. (laughs) Which all all the alcohol in the world could not get me drunk during that trip, (laughs) let me tell you. So, you know what? I think that's really good clarity because the way I perceived it when I was reading the blog was that that was the moment where you realized it wasn't what you thought. But actually what you just described was deeper. It's not just... This isn't what I wanted. This is 
everything in that in those moments that you were there signaled not for you right you can't sit with us right not just that this isn't what I thought it was gonna be right but not only do I is this different than what I expected but I also shouldn't even be here mm -hmm. I'm also wasting my time mm -hmm. which is which would bring anybody to a way more visceral response than just oh fuck it I quit because mm -hmm. initially I thought you were having like an oh fuck no moment well, remember this happened in 2012 I stayed mm. in the industry for five years after that so I didn't right. quit I yeah. I didn't I came back and I was like okay I'm gonna bring that fight you know mm -hmm. watch me and I did I got receipts I did a lot of things I did a lot of things for in the diversity and women, feminism, you freaking name it. I did the work that to solve problems I didn't create. Mm. You know? You have all the sound bites. I cannot wait to pick this apart. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, I think I think one of the, the key things is just, to me it just sounds like the system was working as it was designed, and which is to be exactly. exclusive, you know, to to create clubs and um because at, at the end of the day, to me, one of the things that's been standing out to me in advertising is that while racism is a thing, classism is one of the, to me, that's one of the things that drives this industry. Because when it comes to, to racism, I think that's easy to, to spot. But when you start getting down to the nuances mm -hmm. of, it, of it all and you start looking at it from a class system where there are white people who are also discriminated in this industry because... They don't want this to feel, and I go. I think that goes back to the entertainment point, where you know part of the entertainment culture is that it's exclusive. Everyone can't go here. Everyone can't sit with us. And I think that's what they're what they're mimicking at places like Cannes, where you go into a space and you can't get into the party, even though you're part of. Except this that industry. I was part of, and I paid almost five thousand right. dollars to be part of. But so. that's and that's the difference, like. Most, let's, I mean, let's be real about all of this, right? The majority of the people that are there are not paying for nothing out right. of their pocket. True. They're also not paying for, let's say, a 20% piece out of their pocket. Mm. Mm -hmm. This is being paid for by people. If they're paying for it themselves, they have big wallets, fat wallets. Uh, if they're there and they didn't pay for it, the agency automatically pays for them to go because that's a part of, that's like their... Um, compensation. That's No, not even their compensa compensation. But that, no, that like that's the benefit you get to having the black card. Mm -hmm. That's the benefit you get for being a part of this fraternity. As a part of this fraternity, cause it, and not... not not a gender inclusive fraternity. It's a very strictly male fraternity. You get to do all of the things. So I, I started outlining some of the things that you called out and I was like, this is exactly what I thought it was gonna be. Where you talk, you say, the, when you went there, the millennials were somewhat chill, but the older ones were acting wild. Wilder than your first unsupervised spring break in Mexico. It was surreal. You then go on to talk about you know your dream. Your dream went from dying, um, went went to die in the land of a million dollar yacht party and magnum bottles of rosé. Now I'm just gonna stop you right here. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Because everything, like, I guess, and and everything about that for somebody that's not here to make change sounds 
great. Yeah, but from, they can't from a, get in. But they can't get in, and that is the they difference. They can't get in either. They can't I, I get think in. The, and the then, other thing is, wait, and then the one, the last part that you had was all of that extravagance showed me that the industry cared. What the industry cared most about, its ego, its awards, and its lifestyle. That's it. And I think for me, that has always been. That's always been. That's what's that. The thing that kept that keeps me in the industry right now, because my it's power over passion in advertising. That's not what they tell us. That's not what they teach us. Mm-hmm. That's not in any class I've ever sat in. That's not in any magazine. That's not in any speech. But they 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 teach passion as if as an artist you can come in as a creative, as a true artist, as a person that respects artistry. You can come in, and this is a place where you can use your talents to impact the world. That, to me, is the pickup line Mm -hmm. that I feel that people get in advertising. However, what I've ever only seen was, unless your your passion is power, unless your passion is to be at the top, unless your passion is to crush whoever you need to crush to get there, you cannot be a part of this fraternity. Now, yeah, there are a couple people of color that sneak up there, just a couple, like literally two. Couple women, just one, um, that ever that are ever able to get to that level. But really and truly, this this is just not the place for people that care. It's true. That's that's very true. And that's something I learned the hard way. However, there is enough of us who care. So it came to the point where it's like, okay, well we exist. You can't just ignore us we're here we exist what are you gonna do with us now it just so coincides with the need for diversity oh my god we need diversity right and the majority of us diverse folks we give a shit and we want to make a difference because we are dealing with shit in our lives and we want to tackle that first right and um it comes down to what are they what are they gonna do about us you know we're not going anywhere um and now we also live in a world that needs, everyone needs to do better. From advertisers to individuals to the freaking government, everyone needs to do better. We're in a critical time. So I always turn it back at, not the industry, the industry is a system. It's hard right. to dismantle it, right? Turn it back to individuals. Like, what is it beyond the money and all that good stuff? Like, you can get that stuff, but what is it that makes you tick? Just just care about that. It doesn't have to be other people. It could be what it could be animals. I don't give a shit. Care about something, okay? Make your money, but also bring your passion to work because we have power. That's why I chose advertising and not chose to be a scholar or whatever. Like I just want to do it the easy way, and I want money too. You know. I mean, I think I think one of the other key things when Kyra was pointing out um, those points in the article where you're talking about the parties, I think you went. Th- you went to Cannes with a purpose. Like, that's what it sounds like. You went there with a purpose, which it wasn't to party. It was about your career. And I think that's one of the other things that um, that startles us in this industry when we're walking into these spaces and we're focused yeah. on our career because True. we don't want to be juniors for five years. We don't want to be seniors. Like, we want to get to the top. And you see, you show up in these places with a purpose and you're looking around going, yo, what the fuck is up with this mediocrity? Why why, why is everyone else allowed to party while I'm here on a mission mm-hmm. trying to better my career? Because you spend $5,000 to go to Cannes, that's an investment. Mm-hmm. You want to get 
a return on your investment exactly. and you can't get a return when you're in a party where everybody's fucked up and you're there focused trying to network and well, trying you can, to make you can't even network you can't right. even talk to people because it, it it's awkward when everyone's drunk and you're trying to talk to them about business you know it, it, it's just really hard to connect with people i think it's just hearing the talk and questions that i think it's good that you came back with this fight because i mean for me if i was in the situation i'd be like i don't know if i would come back to my everyday agency with the same perspective. I mean, to be clear, I did not have a choice. I could not. I was not in a position where I could quit. And that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have you back. I think, you know, the way I see it, it's kind of passionless. It's more of, you know, what is going to make money? What is going to be? Because at the end of the day, we're helping someone make more money for their team. We're helping marketers. You know, it, it comes with a bottom line. And sometimes, you know, I think we have all this passion. We want to do all this great work. We want to do all, we have this deeper meaning when sometimes it's really just not that. It's really like you're getting more people to see something, to buy a product. So the fact that you came back with, you know, a fight and you wanted to push is, is kind of, is inspiring because I know for me, I'd be like, this is just every day, you know, the reason that there's, it would kind of question for me, why? Like, why do I need to have this passion? Why do I need to care so much? Yeah, I mean, I definitely had, I mean, I fell into a deep depression right after that. And like I had, it took me a while to piece together, you know, why, what's happening. And like definitely kind of was a catalyst. But during that time, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. I was just kind of lost. But um, I kept the fight because, again, I didn't have a choice. Like most immigrants, we don't have a damn choice. You know, we don't have that, like, privilege to be like, okay, I'm just going to go into finance now. Like, no, I came from freaking Morocco. I have an advertising degree. This is what I'm going to do. Deal with it, you know, and I'm going to have to do it my way because, you know, I had to put my energy somewhere. So I decided that I will keep my agency job and join all these organizations and do all this work so I can put my energy somewhere else and like not, we like most of us like do, most of us do because at some point like I called it I called the industry my sponsor yeah. and I say that all the time I say it to be petty but I also say it because it's real like oh wow we don't we don't save lives if anything we ruin them <laughs> totally <laughs> okay but but in order for in order for me to be able to pour bottles of rosé down my throat <laughs> and roll around on yachts, aka the New York Spirit Cruise Line, hey. the only way I can do things like that and live my half-ass admin life admin lifestyle is by staying in the industry. Like I can only mm -hmm. pay my bills if I show up to work and endure these painful moments. I think so. I think that there, the the I think what we're getting at and a lot of what you felt is a lot of what most of us in the industry that come from uh, diverse backgrounds or not even diverse, people of color, people specifically of brown color, people that don't identify with mainstream white America because it's not everybody that feels this way. Some people like, they, I have had conversation with people of color that just, I don't feel like oh, I'm at, outside and you're like girl what okay. how how sway how right so for those of us that are brown for those of us that are women and we get put into these situations where not only do we have to uh, do we have to defend our um uh cognitive 
um, integrity, but our physical integrity mm -hmm. as well. Because don't you dare have a big butt and a smile and walk into anybody's room be, um, and let there be liquor flowing because somebody's going to comment on it. They're mm -hmm. going to touch your hair. They're going to ask you inappropriate questions. Mm -hmm. And, like, you have to deal with it. So it's a culture thing. It's mm -hmm. a culture thing that we we're not really able to identify until it's too late. Karina posted an article uh, for us to kind of reference prior to this call um, that was actually published in, I guess, what's this, New York Times? Uh, New York Daily News. New York what? I mean, you can just tell me. Oh, sorry. New York Daily News. Okay, and the Daily News back in 2009. 2009 was my first senior year. Don't ask me why I had a second one. It gets really touchy. My first senior year <laughs> of college, um, and this is around the time that Mad Men just came out, and the title of the article is Real New York Executives Fondly Remember 1960s of Mad Men. Um, and one of the things that I pulled out of this article, which had, like, I was chuckling. No, I was laughing hard. I was cracking the fuck what <laughs> up at my desk was this line here where they said drinking was a way of life in and out of the office. Standing tall at the bar was part of the macho culture that dominated the industry. In many cases, there was great there was great admiration for guys who could drink more as if it were a great skill or talent. And I was like, bruh, that's literally everything that I know about the business that I work in. Why are they reminiscent? It's still here. It's right, it's it's exactly. Right and that's why I was listen, I don't know what was happening in two thousand and nine. I was I was actually spring breaking in two thousand and nine as I should <laughs> as a college student, right? But I remember so at my last agency we brought our moms to work. Bring your mom to work day for Mother's Day. And one of the things my mom, she just couldn't understand like why like every time she called me, I would be intoxicated. I'd be drunk. Um, she called me, I'd be drunk. She's like, but how do you get work done? And I'm like, girl, this is just what we do. And she came into the office and she saw the bar. The bar was a fully stacked bar. Now, granted, Sonya knows better, so she definitely helped herself. However, she just couldn't understand that how this, this sort of debauchery could be equated with professionalism. I'm like, that's our culture. Another part of the culture was the prestige of it. This, um, and, and the article, if you, anybody goes back to read it, it's like it talks about this imaginary prestige that comes along with working in advertising. We know working in advertising, not only do we not save lives, but we also don't even really have to be smart or right. Nope. We never have to None be correct, and we never have to be smart to be successful. Mm -hmm. And it points out, there's this one line where the, there, that one of the old mad men spoke where he was like, there was a great sense of power and prestige. I'm an advertising executive, and you're an accountant? Like, and it's real. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, these accountants are really saving people's lives or ruining them if you're Bernie, Bernie Madoff. <laughs> but that just tells you, you it, know, like where it comes from. It, is that it's idea that I'm so better than ingrained, you. But it's so ingrained, it is ingrained in the culture. It's the DNA of the industry. But that is not what they teach us. Of course not. And I feel like because that's Because if what, they taught us that, we would, no one would get in. Listen, Think about it. not only would nobody get in, but I feel like this is the, this is the piece, the educational piece that I feel like is going to be really important for those of us that carry on this torch for inclusivity within this industry, mm -hmm. is that we have to remove this mask of elitism in the sense of you have to be highly educated, that you have to come from a certain stock. No, they really, people really just have to like you. Mm -hmm. It is right. a full on popularity 
contest. 100%. And there are many of us that are charming motherfuckers and we can actually skate our way in and we will hit some bumps and whatnot because microaggressions exist, but we can sustain. But for those that may be coming in bearing their souls and their hearts and everything they care about into this industry, it is going to eat you up, mm-hmm. chew you up. And if you're and if you can't stand it, it will spit you the fuck out mm-hmm. because we are taught in our classes. Like I had an orientation class where it's like you have to come dressed up in a, in a suit for every interview where I'm sure you guys are taught as you go through rotational programs, you know, um, you have to be extra careful with your work and everything has to be perfect and you have to be what's it three two three times is better depending on if you're man woman or of color um and like you have to sit on such a pedestal and also place the industry on such a pedestal that it makes it seem like if i follow these steps and i'm ever so perfect there's no reason these people can deny me Mm -hmm. and the reality of situations that's not the case we drink we drink we party we we a lot of times we're not even using stra- like pisses me off as a project manager when somebody says I don't need strategy on this project because it's but, like but well, where are these insights coming from? There, there's there's a different set of rules for people of color and for women. Like that's that's part of the problem, which is everything that you're saying that they've taught us that we need to do. It technically is true. Because I don't I don't I don't believe that. Well, well, I don't think it's necessarily the truth but it's what happens where we do need when we show up look look at all the people of color that you know that are in this industry they usually have a degree they usually have some sort of accomplishment they usually are working harder than their white counterparts so there is some truth to it it doesn't mean that it's right But i feel like that part is the self-fulfilled prophecy of it because we do that already and therefore we feel that those options are available to us i think the other piece to it is that there's a shit ton of people that don't know what their options are that that definitely don't need to have a degree that are just as skilled and talented and probably are just as well spoken quote unquote as anybody else that don't even try and probably could last longer in this industry because their passion is not the artistry or the creativity of it but really I'm just here to get a check like the rest of these pu- these people you see what I'm saying so I'm not I, I feel like but if it's hard to even like promote and bring people in that have a degree and all that they make sure they train you they make sure you're super trained, know the system before you even get in. How are mm-hmm. they gonna get someone? I don't just okay. like that. I mean, I wish they did. So I but feel I didn't come in. I didn't come in through the DNI. I didn't come in through a program. I didn't either. Most of my friend, most of the people that I know, didn't come in through programs. I know Karina, you mentioned it before. We weren't trained, but I also didn't. But know. you have a degree. I have a degree. I do have a degree. But I also didn't realize, and and I think that is a fact, but I also didn't realize that project management was even a thing. I didn't know what it was when I got called in for that job. Also, it's different for creatives. I just just want to, yeah, Yeah. I'm I'm looking at it strictly from a creative standpoint, which is, again, creative work is what we do. That's what we sell. That's the product. That's the most important thing that we do. So there's even less people of color in the creative departments, which makes the work, you know, you you know the story, so I, it's different from. It's different, but there's. I think I think what's important to note is that there are other options. So whereas, whereas many people, for ex- many people, feel like you have to fit a mold, and complete. I'll give you a perfect example. First time I met Karina. Oh hey. First time I met Karina, 
um, and another colleague of ours, there was a conversation about whether or not uh, it is appropriate to hang out with your coworkers. Do you remember that conversation? No, but go on. So, the, so, so <laughs> you and, uh, and our other colleague just felt that it was so inappropriate to have candid conversations, like personal, personally candid conversations mm -hmm. with coworkers. When you go out, you don't want to stay out too late. You only want to have one drink because you don't want to be too loose. And I was like, however, I know that it is in those moments of bonding, if you will, that a lot of the cultural barriers that we feel are broken down. That is a way for us to be included, to, for us to force ourselves to be included. Is it assimilation? Perhaps. Perhaps. I mean, I haven't, I haven't drilled down my thoughts that deeply into it, but I do know that the only way for me to get people to like me is for them to feel like they have a piece of me, and you can only feel like you have a piece of me if I'm sharing a personal moment with you, which generally happens in those moments of fraternization. However, we're taught that that's improper, and we are trained to believe that, that is the, that's how you get fired. And it's like, Mm, not in advertising. No, but, but it has maturity to it. So I think for people who just come in this industry and who are brand new and they want to be friends with people, I don't think that's the best advice. I don't know. I, I highly disagree because how else are you going to learn how well, because to... Because a lot of them are too young and they go right. overboard really quickly. They haven't matured. So like with moderation, yes, go to the parties. Yes, talk to the creative directors. Yes, make friends but don't make a fool of yourself because you're a damn intern. Right. I think not making a fool of yourself is one thing. I think as somebody who is mature and the fact that you feel like you have to watch yourself that closely, that you're quite honestly forcing yourself into a silo and, and, a, and a place where you can miss opportunity is dangerous. And I feel like that plays into a lot of what we talk about when we discuss respectability politics because it's like if I – if I always have to keep my cool on and all of these people and all these grown ass men are out here acting like spring breakers, but worse, mm -hmm. there's always, they're always going to feel like so, you're different and judging. And I feel like that there is a way to get into the culture by understanding it's not just about, it's, it's not just about how hard you work. It's all, it's more about how strategic you are Definitely. with your, your interpersonal skills. But, but I mean, I, but I think the thing about respectability politics, I don't think that's necessarily something that's taught exclusive, exclusively to people who are coming into advertising, but there's, but there's a reason behind it. So it's, while yes, you do want to socialize with your coworkers because that creates a bond, it can also be the thing that backfires against you. It may not necessarily be that you drink too much, but the truth behind a lot of this, uh, why that is a cautionary thing that people teach people of color to do is because you could walk into work the next day and then be like, you know what? You're not performing well because you like to drink a lot. But the same, this, but this, my, my point but, is but, the same thing can happen yes. with you being like either, so, either but, way, like you're bound to be judging you're bound. I mean, I think that that's it because yeah. first of all, you may not want to even go there because you don't feel comfortable. Right. So that's mm. one. And if you, if you end up going there and you do let loose, then the next day you might feel comfortable because now people are talking about you. If you're the only person of color, you bet they're going to be talking about you no matter Absolutely. what. So no matter the, what the you issue do. is, is not that you can socialize with friends, with, with coworkers, or you can, um, you know, let loose. The issue is that 
you're always standing out and, and on the on the on the spotlight and mm -hmm. that will make you feel comfortable so most people they just don't go because to avoid that whole situation it's, it can be hard but I think generally people in advertising are nice they like to right. party it's okay but there's there comes a certain point when you're like I am here when you realize like I'm here I'm with them but I'm not because right. tomorrow and I'm I think judged good, differently yeah. and I think that's and I think that's a good point and one of the things that I wrote down earlier while I was reading through all of these articles was like I think the hard work culture is what we're taught and what we're told and what's preached to us uh, that is needed to get into the industry mm -hmm. what we've all found out is that that is not true However, what happens is we already have this expectation. So the resistance comes in when there are people like like you and I and the rest of us. It's like we now want to hold them accountable to it. You told me I have to be the best. Simeon, you're like you're the perfect example of this. Now I'm going to call you out when you're not the best. I'm not call you out. I'm going to hold you accountable mm -hmm. to being the best because if I have to be up here then i expect you who gets paid double my salary triple my salary gets awarded more than i do gets seen more than i do is respected way more than i do then i expect it from you guys and i think that is where our resistance comes in that is where this conversation of deep diversity and inclusion and being excluded and why we feel excluded comes into play i also think i also think that it might be worth uh it might be worth having a discussion and we kind of had this conversation offline um, that's not necessarily us pushing to change the industry because I feel like that is what we've been trying to do for so long. And we talk all the time about how all of these DNI programs have been around in advertising specifically for so long, and we just don't understand how if you can have p brown people in the industry, black people in the industry since the 1960s, and it's 2017. And I can't find not one top creative director at not one top agency, but I know all of these creative people, what's the problem? Then the problem to me is our approach, right? It's the strategic approach to how we are trying to create change. Are we trying to change people's mind about us? And I mean, we all know what happens with civil rights and apartheid and all of that. You can't change people's minds, but what you what you can do is is create an entirely new institution. That's where historically black colleges and, and universities came from. So rather than discussing changing expectations, changing uh, the culture, what we need to discuss is how do we change our expectations? Mm -hmm. Because you can only do two things. Mm -hmm. If you work in this industry, you can only play by the rules in this industry. And those rules are not necessarily, um, are not necessarily laid out for us correctly. I think there is other insight and 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 innuendos that we need to um, pay attention to to help us move forward more smoothly. Or we complete we can completely opt out of the game mm -hmm. and do our own thing, which is kind of what where right. you are right now, right? Right. So I think when it comes to change, I think that um, people first need to change themselves and their mindsets. Right. Because, um, again, we're sold this idea that agencies is the place to be, and that's just not true. Agencies are not the only place you can do advertising. That's one. Or there be is, creative. Or be creative. Exactly. Um, again, if you told me this in the 60s, I'd be like, maybe agencies is the only place you can do advertising. 
But again, that hasn't changed, uh, and agencies haven't really changed much since the 50s, but the world has changed. So you can do advertising with brands, you can do advertising with tech, you can do advertising on your damn own, you can create your own agency. There is, you can do advertising on social media, there's so many different ways. So for us to feel, um, some of us may feel trapped, like I was feeling trapped at some point. It's important to understand that you are free. You're not trapped. This is, they're trying to sell you that this is the only place you can do it. And trust me, they need you. It's not that they don't, but they're not ready. So it's, it's, um, they're just not ready for that thing that you want to do, which this is, applies to me. So you kind of have to make a decision whether, one, you want to stay in, play the game, fight. Fight and hope for the best. Because statistically speaking, the best does not happen. <laughs> it's not in your favor. You, you can hope for the best. I think mm-hmm. we do need people to stay in the inside and keep moving things forward. That's ex- extremely important. However, there are very successful people who branched off, started their own thing, and guess what? The agencies comes and buys them. And they get absorbed and that gets disappeared because they don't want that energy out right. there. Okay? So it's up to the person of what are they trying to achieve for me personally i could not care less about the agency money not that i don't want to make money i'm going to be a millionaire (laughs) it's happening i just don't want to do it (laughs) (laughs) oh i just caught the spirit yes you just gotta put it out yes 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 okay (laughs) but you know you have to decide whether you want to just sit there and take the shit or that you're better than that and that there are there is a community outside of the shit that can help you and that can you can help because we've been trained i feel blessed hashtag blessed to be to have been in the industry for this long and i'm trying to be positive here okay i learned a lot (laughs) met a lot of great people had some bad times but that's okay because now i know how it works so i can go and work with thousands of small businesses, entrepreneurs who have money, they just don't know how to do it. Mm. Where are those people? It's not just brands are here. It's not just Coca-Cola and McDonald's. How about the person who's trying to disrupt um, Coca-Cola and McDonald's? I want to work with them. They're the ones for me. So it's about really changing your mindset and deciding, like, what is it that I'm trying to achieve? If you want to sit here and, and do it in a linear way, more power to you. We need you there. No problem. But look at the facts and the facts don't look good. And I'm not. And I said it in my in my article and that my son cocky, but I'm not one to say at the bottom. I don't have time. I don't have time for this. You know, I'm here on a mission. You better just come back and reclaim your time. <laughs> yes, I am reclaiming your my time. time. I do not have time for this. So I personally chose that, uh, first of all, what prompted this whole thing was that I was not doing well, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically, okay? So I decided that, okay, what's my number one priority here is my mental health and my emotional, you know, being. I need to be in a good place so I can connect with the real Miriam and the Miriam that actually has a fight in her. Otherwise, I am just a robot and I do not want to be a robot because I've been there, done that. So that was my first thing. How can I take care of myself? And it came down to, like, if you that's what you want, then you need out. 
but I still love advertising. And I will say it over and over again. I love advertising and I'm going nowhere. So how can I reconciliate this thing where I love it, but I don't want to be in it, but I do want to be in it. So it's, it's, it took me a while to figure out. And then I realized like, Miriam, you just go and do your thing. Like no one is stopping you. I keep telling myself like, oh, I have to be here. No, you don't create your own path. And that's something that we're not taught in school. Yeah. We're taught to follow the rules and we'll go, you know, up the ladder. And it's like, that's one way, but there are literally a billion ways to do things. You know, all those guys, those random guys that started agencies and put the name on it and the, the na their name is still there. this picture yeah. that we're looking at, they I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> those Watch guys this. just decided to start their own thing and look at them now. Now they might be you know, male and white and American, and that's fine. But know that in 2020, the majority of children are going to be diverse. Mm. So are you talking now or are you talking to the future? Because I'm talking about the future and I don't have time to keep holding people's hands who don't realize that the future is coming. And I don't have time to keep explaining to them. I've done that for the last five, six years and just explain to you, this is important, guys. I'm telling you in a nice mm. way. We need to move as an industry. If they don't get it, that's your problem. Right. I chose to let go and not help them anymore and just go and do my own thing. And you know so what? I, I think your approach is just like a true testament to creativity, which is like if you're truly creative, then you don't look at a problem and say this is a problem because you know that there's a solution. And I think your approach right. is it's if every person of color started looking at their industry like that where actually i don't have to live like this yes it it changes the entire game and they will have no one and i think that's one of the the key things that people should start latching onto. um that's going to be the revolution which is people looking at their situations going i don't have to live like this. i think that is the, rev right. the revolution that's exactly. happening currently right. to what you were speaking like we're not i mean the t-shirts say it, the memes say it, like we're not our ancestors, we're not our parents. No. That empowerment aspect that you're speaking about and that we've spoken about before, like people felt like they had to do things because that was the right way. We live in a time where as the older millennials, <laughs> we don't have to do nothing we don't want to right. do because we have the information we need, shout out to the internet. Mm -hmm. We have the tools we need, shout out to technology. And we have, and we each have the other. education and we have the community. Yeah. And that's something we haven't thought about before. I think all of these points were great. Miriam, thank you so much for coming. We could probably sit here for like a whole yes, entire we could. There's so hours. much I want to tell you guys. <laughs> but we won't because all of us have things to do, like sleep. My first thing <laughs> we couldn't do. But definitely want to invite you back I would love to have that. more conversation. I would um, love that. This is generally the time that we start wrapping things up with final words, final thoughts. Um, but as we discussed prior to recording, like I want these final thoughts to be directed to the agencies. I think we speak a lot to each other. Um, and sometimes we speak to like we're at the church preaching to the choir. Right. And mm -hmm. so we we are we already know. We already know that the re revolution is is televised it's on the internet. It's in these meet meetups, these conversations, but those people that you don't want to hold their hand i don't think we need to hold their hand i think we need to let them know like what it is this is what it is so what are your final thoughts for agencies to agencies about the culture okay so for for agencies i mean it's hard to talk to the whole agency because it's a whole system mm -hmm. so i will speak to individuals 
um, directly. You calling out names, girl? <laughs> no names. <laughs> just like I can't wait. <laughs> Anyone in the industry currently, you know, any race, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it really came. It, the time is now to really look at your. Um, what's inside? What's driving you? Why are you here? I understand the job is fun, you know, can, alcohol, all that. Cool, no problem. You can live that life. But also, is there something that's driving you? I want everybody to look deep within and find something that they care about and they try to bring it to the, to the, to the, to the table, you know? And as far as diversity sp specifically, I mean, look around you. Aren't you embarrassed? that your agency looks like, you know, I don't know, Arkansas, you know, because that is not, that is not what the world is. That is not where the world is going. If you're not embarrassed then that's okay, you know, more power to you, but we are going to do our own thing. And there's going to come a time where you're going to, you're going to, you're going to need us and we'll welcome you. On, at, a high our price. Price. at a price. <laughs> you gotta pay. That's you gotta okay, pay. Overcharging them for what they did to the cold crush. Absolutely. Look, look around you and and be the change. Be. You don't have to do anything big. You don't have to wait for HR. You can say something. You have power. You have power. If you see something that's not cool, inquire, ask, do something about it. You should be doing this. I mean, you live in America under Trump, for God's sakes. I don't know what other sign do you need from the world. Like, this is happening. It's happening right now. We're not. I feel like I'm back in the 50s or 40s or uh, so many other, <laughs> you know, places in one time. We're in a critical time where you need to be a better person. Start with yourself. Seriously, you don't have to do anything with other people. Start with yourself. Better yourself. Be better. Try harder every single day. When you and every single one of us does that, we will get to a place together. Okay? It's not about pointing fingers. It is what it is. The situation is just is what it is. But how? what is the legacy that you're leaving besides, uh, you know, just having a couple of, awards that you just gonna leave behind but what are you really leaving behind you know i want everybody to think about that and and um just do better i do better every day i try i think that's legit <laughs> no 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 i mean that, like i i think the that whole looking at self is it's acknowledging that when we talk about the industry and we talk about agencies that we're talking about people like people do these things mm -hmm. people make things happen right. it's not like some imaginary fucking ghost that's that's in the sky a collective of people are making it hard for people of color and for women to do their jobs because that's all we're showing up at work to right. do do they're, they're making it hard so i think that looking at self is it's it's crucial and when you when you start looking at self then you can I think one one of the things that I've been thinking about lately is, you know, when we talk about DNI, it's it's always talked about like DNI is the problem, like diversity and inclusion and the prop is the problem when it's actually the solution. So if we're talking about it in context, then racism is a problem, misogyny is the problem, discrimination is the problem, and when you and when you put it in context, then people can start looking at themselves and going, well, how do I contribute? to this problem in context because and and this is something and i'm just looking at it from my perspective as as a man right and i hit up kai all the time and i'm like 
is this sexist? Is this fucked I up? I usually say yes. Right? Like, like because I understand. I understand the problem in context, and I want to make sure that I'm I'm doing better every single day. And I think that when people start to look at this these problems in context, then they can say, all right, cool. You know, actually, I am liberal, white and liberal, and there's a possibility that I do racist things that contribute I mean, to this honestly, problem. Honestly, we, we, we all do. You know, right. every single one of us does to a certain, you know, race or nationality or whatnot. But w instead of walking around and thinking you're perfect right. and God sent, why can't we be, can't you be a little vulnerable right. and more human and just admit? And a lot of times you don't even have to talk. You just have to listen. Right. You know, like there's plenty of things out there to, to teach you that you know, we don't have to in the workplace because we're trying to work. We don't. We're we, not here we to teach. Don't have but time to teach. There's plenty of things that you can you can learn and um, uh, just be interested. Be curious. You know, it starts with just being curious about the other side or even your side. Just dig deeper. Don't just take everything for surface level. Yeah. I think I feel like my my final point is uh, piggybacking off of what I kind of said earlier where it's like we're so much smarter and and not in a negative way but we are we right now the young working population in marketing communications media advertising are so much smarter and we are gaining wisdom every day so much more quickly that this is literally the last time and i feel very strongly this is the last time that anyone is going to be asking these industries to let us in. Because the reality is so many of us are freelancing as you are or opting out or not even jumping in all the way, like creating their own structure of media businesses without going the agency route that there will come a point just like with radio, just like with you know, the movie industry, just like with TV, where you will become obsolete. It's, it's happening. And it is happening. It's happening. It is here. And y'all want to, people want to sit and they want to pretend and they want to have conversations with no actions. And that's cute. Safe and that's cool. And guess what? I'm, I'm going to take your money. My friends are acting out. I'm going to take your money. I'm also going to take the money outside. When this industry crumbles because it could not sustain with, it could not sustain against what people like us are growing on the outside. And there is this whole implosion of, oh my God, where did the addicts, the old ad execs go now when they don't have any money? And we're sitting here and we're counting our Bitcoins <laughs> because we're out here marketing to, to the Aborigine over in Australia. Because Ken, from our little apartments in Brooklyn, don't say nobody told you so. Don't say you didn't know. I don't want to see articles and retrospectives about how did we get here. We knew how we got here. You had several chances to change and do better and see the future like you like to tell us to do, uh, to see things 10 years down the road and you couldn't even see five. 30 years ago, you couldn't even see 15. Um, the there's, an, there's a reckoning happening in the industry we already know how to do this. None of it, like, we know that an agency can be done by the hands of one person because half the time y'all make us do that any damn way. And that's that. Like, 
that is it is what it is like these conversations are becoming so annoying and so obsolete that you're going to fail like at some point you have to fail the grade you can't you can't repeat eighth grade every year like you just got to stop at some point so I think that's where we are um but with that Miriam thank you so much for joining us um you have quite a few projects going on so I want you to talk about that before we close out give away your uh social media handles and then we can go home um, so b- before I talk about my projects, I just want to leave you guys, the listeners with one message. If you're in advertising, here's what I want you to do. I want you to prioritize self-care. And I know you see self-care everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Self-care is a treat. You get a pedicure, you know, you go get a haircut. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like serious reflection time, serious alone time, especially if you're creative. I'm talking about really prioritizing your health because if you're, as a creative, let's say, if your brain is not all there, you're no longer a creative. You're pretty much fucked. That's your, that's your power. So you really have to take care of it. Uh, I had to learn the hard way, uh, which is why I'm telling you this. So please prioritize yourself all the time. And um, so after I quit, which was recently in June, I knew that I wanted to go, I I knew that I wanted to stay in advertising, but I also knew that I needed to prioritize myself and do something around self-care. So uh, I created this brand um, maybe 10 days ago called I See You, and that's to tell you that I see all of you. Um, It's a self-care brand, and uh, it basically was born to organize Uh, and empower specifically women of color, but people of color in general to really take care of themselves through everyday things. So um, if you are interested, you can follow me on Instagram at I see you well, I see you well. Um, And um, yeah, we can connect there. And um, soon in the next couple of months, hopefully I will also be launching my own agency. Yay. Um, and my vision for it really is to same kind of deal, organize creators of color so we can work together, share, share the wealth and grow together because the hurricane is coming. (laughs) It's coming. So we need to organize. So if you're a creative creator of color, please get in touch with me. Um, I'm building a collective and I would love for all of you to be part of it. And um, the goal is to find those businesses and create businesses who really want our real and unapologetic voices. And trust me, those businesses do exist. They're just not at agencies right now because agencies don't want that. So we're going to go and find them and create our own stream of work uh, that we share for each other by each other. So um, definitely get in touch with me. My um my Instagram or my all my social media is at Mariam, another M O U N A. So Mariam Mona. There's two M's in the middle, and Mariam was with an A, not an I. A always A. I hate when people misspell my name. <laughs> um, so that's it for me, guys. Um, thank you all so much for having me. This was fun. I hope it was fun. All right, so with that, we'll go ahead and we'll close out. Thanks, Thank y'all for listening to episode 33. Um, it was great. Conversation was so dope. Thanks for coming. You guys can always find us on our social media handles at 
on Twitter and Instagram at Ask Mixed Company, on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Mixed Company Podcast. And if you feel like hitting us up over uh, email, askmixedcompany at gmail.com. Y'all stay blessed, stay woke, stay dope. Just (laughs) stay you, stay sane, stay sane, and we'll talk to you later. Peace.